I want to learn the ways of the Force and become a Jedi like my father. Oh, I can't keep the vision out of my head. To my friends, I gotta help them. Never. I'll never turn to the dark side. You failed, Your Highness. I am a Jedi, like my father before me. He is strong with the Force, but talent without training is nothing. I will give my life to protect the child, but he will not be safe until he masters his abilities. Leia, trusted me with her son. I took him and a dozen students and began the training temple. Some things are stronger than blood. Confronting fear is the destiny of a Jedi. Your destiny. The Force will be with you, always. Welcome everyone from across the universe to the Wampa's Lair Podcast. Star Wars is for everyone, so pull up a chair, get comfortable, and join the conversation with your hosts, Carl LeClaire and Jason Hunt, here in the Wampa's Lair. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another exciting episode of the Wampus Lair podcast. This is episode 435, Legendary Luke Skywalker. I am, as always, one of your hosts, Carl LeClaire, and I am joined by the original Sir Alec Guinness himself, otherwise known as my buddy Greg, Ion Cannon, Dr. Gregory Cass. Hello, Greg. How are you? <laughs> Hello. Good to talk to you. I'm, I'm certainly feeling a little old and crotchety like old Ben lately. Uh, you know, that end of summer feeling is like you've been in the desert for 19 years, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that sounds about right. Uh, I mean, I imagine, uh, I, obviously, teaching high school is very different from college, but I do remember the end of the summer. It was like, oh, my God, I have to go back. So, and I know that's, you're right on the cusp of going back with students yourself, so. Um, and it's always like, well, I should have spent the last month planning. Oh, well. <laughs> right? I should have spent those 19 years waiting to have a story straight for Luke. Oh, well. <laughs> um, but yeah, we are here to talk about the legend that is Luke Skywalker, um, a, a character who I think is obviously central to the Star Wars mythos. Probably one of the most recently misunderstood characters in Star Wars, I, I think I would argue. And what we're kind of just hoping to do with this conversation is talk about Luke's journey from his first appearance to kind of where he he sends things off in Episode Nine, and um, you know who his character is, why he's still so important, and also why he's not two different characters between. For instance, the Mandalorian and Last Jedi, which, right, uh, it's sad to say that part of part of what got me thinking more about his character in specific is there's there's always toxicity in Star Wars fandom, sadly, these days, no matter what you do. So, right, Mandalorian Gallery comes out, which was awesome. It was so cool to hear how they kept Mark Hamill secret and all of that stuff secret. But you can never just have people enjoy it for what it is without also having to say, <laughs> yeah, that was my Luke, unlike that 
fill in the blank obscenity about last Jedi Luke, right? Like it's, <laughs> it's, so it's just like, again, this isn't here to refute anyone or tell you you're wrong, but just more a general look at this character in the mythology of star Wars. And I mean, Greg myth is such a huge part of what you do. So I feel, yeah. like, <laughs> I feel like you're kind of the, 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 one of the best people to talk about this with. So I spent most, together my teach a, a fall seminar on superheroes so not specifically about luke skywalker i didn't include him in that course but i've been thinking a lot about myth the last week and i just want to echo the gallery episode was incredible um you know it was so much fun to to both see the technology but i just thought it was such a lovely celebration of of luke but more so mark um and i you know I will never not be a fan of Mark Hamill, right? Like, I don't think he does everything perfectly. I think he makes some mistakes. People were grumbling at him today about a tweet and all that. But, like, he's such a genuinely good person and tries to do right by all fans. It's so lovely to to get to celebrate him. Um, yeah, but I, I will say when I was making my notes, I really approached this through mythology and thinking about, you know, what is the point of telling a story? What is the point of telling a myth? Um, and how that might change depending on the different times, the different audiences, you know, who the myth is intended to reach. All of that can have an effect, certainly. So so that's part of what I'm thinking about tonight. Yeah, great. Uh, I, I'm excited for that lens to, to be brought to bear. Um, and I, I'll say one thing I consulted myself consulted it makes me sound like I'm like a professional. Um, but I, I've had I've had this book for years called the um, the journey of Luke Skywalker. Uh, and it's written by a, a, a psychotherapist named Stephen Gallipow. I'm not sure if I said his last name, right? He's been on a few of the star Wars um, documentaries over the years, but um, I also didn't realize he used to be an Episcopal priest. Um, and then he left that, that particular way of life to become a psychotherapist and psychoanalyst who specializes specifically in Carl Jung's um, theories, which obviously is kind of cool because Carl Jung had a huge impact on Joseph Campbell um, and, and his own way of understanding myth. So um, I, I kind of revisited that book and just reread some of the parts that were really poignant in Luke's journey just to kind of get that psychoanalyst. Um, and he's psychoanalyzing the mythology of Luke too, not not just this mm. character. So it, it was – it gave me some really keen thoughts to, to bring to bear for this conversation as well. Um, I wanted to come in with this a little bit more than just my own my own thoughts, but uh, this this author is, is – incredible and if you've never heard of this book the journey of luke skywalker uh, i highly recommend it it's a lot of it's obviously a little bit dry but um but it is really good um so that said greg let's go with the question that was posed to jj abrams back in like 2013 2014 oh, who is luke skywalker how are we that far out from the sequel trilogy already? It's just—it's mind blowing <laughs> uh, all the time. Who is Luke Skywalker? So you know, this to me immediately took me to the OT, right? And um, you know, one bias the two of us have uh, tonight is that we're both kids of the dark times, so we kind of came to the OT later than some fans, but it also was kind of our introduction still, and and maybe what set uh, you know. Uh, our our version of these characters so when i think about the ot my first thing i think of for luke is i actually think of farm boy luke of innocent yearning full luke wants to get off the dust ball of a planet of tatooine um and how important that version of luke skywalker is 
in establishing the myth for all of us. Um, you know, and I, I recognize who I'm talking to. We all want to be Han Solo, but we're not Han Solo, right? We're Luke. We're the nerdy kid, the whiny kid who, uh, you know, hasn't maybe achieved the life they want yet. Especially, I think, when a lot of us come into our teenage years, and, and that's when, you know, late adolescence, or our late childhood, early adolescence, when a lot of us first saw the, these characters. I know I, I'm never sure my exact age. I think it was in third or fourth grade. Um, but that kind of spirit of Luke Skywalker um, not being master of the universe, but being somebody new um, was such a key part of connecting me to him and his journey um, that I think that's where my mind starts is with, with every man, Luke, the accessible hero of the three, right? Uh, Princess Leia is way too good looking for us to connect to. Uh, <laughs> and so the nerdy kids are left with, with the kid whining about power converters. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's so funny. Well, it's it's interesting. I um, just for just for the fun of it, Greg, before we recorded tonight, I threw a poll up on Twitter, not like one of our official ones, not that that's a big deal. And just ask people, Mm -hmm. you know, what what's your favorite version of of Luke? Which movie do you like his performance in the most? Um, And as it stands, coming out with a narrow lead was Empire Strikes Back. Um, Mm. And then tied for second was Return of the Jedi and Last Jedi and A New Hope came in last, um, which doesn't surprise me. Um, But, yeah, you know, when I think of Luke, weirdly enough, I don't think of farm boy Luke, mainly because um, I think you have shared this before, too, Greg. My first introduction to Star Wars was Empire Strikes Back. So A New Hope, Mm -hmm. I don't think I saw that till I was a Star Wars fan for at least a year, maybe two. (laughs) Like, I didn't see A New (laughs) Hope for, for a good while. Um, so my early thoughts of when I think of Luke is, I mean, there's still that element of the person yearning, um, but I think of Dagobah Luke. I think of the Luke who goes to this unknown swampy dark planet seeking, uh, seeking direction, seeking, um, you know, fine tuning these innate skills that he has and these innate abilities, um, and being really, really flustered by that process, by not being able to have it happen so fast, right? Um, He goes there wanting to have the answer right away. He wants all the answers. Tell me why I can't. No, there is no why, right? Like he just, (laughs) his his mind is always ahead of, it's always just one step ahead of where he needs to be. And, And he goes there having to learn how to calm himself, how to find balance, right? To use a language that is new to Star Wars from the prequels. Um, that wasn't, that wasn't a language we used in the OT time. Um, but I think Luke is there struggling to find balance. And, um, and, and we get this character who also reminds us that more important to him than even his Jedi training, though, are his friends, right? His, mm. his, his decision to leave Dagobah early and go try to help Han and Leia, even though he provides no actual help. <laughs> um, but <laughs> it, it really showcases this character who, who just he's going to always follow his instincts and do what he thinks is best. Well, and I think that's a really well said uh, insight into Empire Luke, and and I think you said it right. Empire Luke is a little lost, um, right? He's confused on the the right path forward. I think if a New Hope Luke desperately wanted to join the larger world, 
Empire Strikes Back Luke has gotten his wish, right? He's a mm-hmm. commander in the Rebel Alliance. He's famous for blowing up the Death Star. Um, and has these, is, is, a, is special, right? Has these force abilities. And yet, um, you know, it reminds me a lot of the freshmen I meet at college, right? They suddenly have the power and the freedom, and they're not sure what you're supposed to do with it, right? <laughs> the, the dog that caught mm-hmm. the car. It's like, oh, you got exactly what you wanted. You just didn't realize what that was and how difficult that's going to be um, for you to find your way in that. So I like your point about he needs to find balance and peace. And, you know, my read on Empire Strikes Back is he kind of screws it up. I almost swore, but I'll, I'll stick to <laughs> screws it up uh, because, you know, he shouldn't have left that quick. And like you said, he's not able to provide the help. He's uh, not ready to face Vader, even though he thinks he is, um, which, again, I think when you talk about why so many fans of a certain age are deeply attached to luke that, that was us right what everybody has those moments when they're a teenager you're like i got this i, I totally i can hit, take on the world and you screw up so bad that you need uh you know your parents to come pick you up at the mall or whatever to <laughs> to get you back uh where you should be <laughs> <laughs> yeah and you know i i think where he he kind of leaves off towards the end of that movie right like learning obviously that vader is his father he's presented a choice you know come with me uh vader vader is trying to lure luke in from his own woundedness which is i am i am a creature that is oppressed (laughs) Mm -hmm. let me oppress you (laughs) you know come be my creature right (laughs) so vader vader is offering this this sense of power that is equal to domination, right? That's, that's how Darth Vader understands the use of the force is it gives you power so that you can dominate. And that's the invitation he gives to Luke at the end of that movie. And while Luke was a bit ahead of himself by leaving early, I still say like while he lost the fight, he kind of won that battle though, by choosing to jump into the abyss rather than right. Like Luke sets up pretty early that, he doesn't equate power with dominance, right? Like he'd, he'd rather throw himself into the abyss. Um, and when I was reading that book I mentioned, I love the way he describes this. He talks about him jumping into the chasm and the chasm represents the unknown mystery. And his interpretation of that particular poignant moment for Luke is he is jumping into the unknown with the sense that he trusts in a greater mystery. Um, if that means he's going to die, he's going to die. If he's going to survive, he'll survive to fight another day. But he, he makes this willing choice to give up himself for the sake of trusting in this greater mystery. Um, and, Mm. and uh, yeah, I think that's, I think that's pretty important. And I think it's also really important to, to point out that when Luke leaves Dagobah, right? is when we first get mention of another uh, and, mm. and right. The, the reason George Lucas purposely put that in there is he said several times on commentaries is to make Luke feel dispensable, right? He could die and mm. there'd still be something else. But I think even as we pull ourselves out of the saga, it's a reminder that the Skywalkers in particular and Luke in general, like well, my screwed those words up. Um, they're not everything. Right. That, mm-hmm. you know, they're not perfect. So if they are <laughs> to fail, there might be another 
solution, right? And when George wrote that into the script in 1979, he was not thinking Leia. Um, mm. He was thinking a long lost sister, but it wasn't going to be Leia. So, right, there's this there's this idea that early on that Luke is not the one and only savior, right? And I and, and sure. I mentioned that now because I think that's where Luke eventually gets conflated into later in both some of the stories and the fan experience. Um, mm. So, yeah, I would couple that, and I'm going to confess in case there's any other academics on this. I am not a Jungian scholar, so I don't know my Carl Jung as as strong as as other theorists. Uh, but you know, the idea of Carl Jung is that myth and story are the ways in which we confront our subconscious. So the things that we bury down inside ourselves have to be confronted, right? I mean, what, what was our pandemic year about, except finally confronting all the things we buried for so long. Um, and so I think when you're talking about, yes, didn't know it was Leia, there was another, I think George is tapping into that too, because really the the truth of young is is that we're all doing it right and we may be successful or or not um in our own paths but that we all have this job and so while we've focused on luke um it's it's all of us and it's all the heroes have to start to deal with the things they're not going to to deal with um and it i think it's uh it's something from I think Buddhism, but we're the wrong two people in our friend group to talk Buddhism uh, deeply. Um, we need Director Benick. Uh, but, uh, you know, I think there's a precept in Buddhism, uh, the idea that um, enlightenment comes from knowing um, nothing and everything at the same time. So when you talk about that moment of jumping into the abyss, Luke now knows everything. He's had this thing hanging over his head, this this incomplete knowledge of his father and not really been able to understand who he is without that knowledge, right? The, the Campbellian atonement with the father. Um, and now he has all the knowledge he needs and yet has no idea how to move forward with that. Right. Mm. So I think you're right that when he jumps into the abyss, it's, it's him giving himself over to this new complete knowledge um, and just trusting, you know, I, I, what comes to mind is the, the Empire Strikes Back concepts from, you know, rest in peace, J.W. Rinsler's book, where he talks about how originally Luke was going to jump and then float up out of there, right? We, we know it as he falls all the way down. But to me, what Lucas was playing at with that idea is like, oh, he's falling, but you, you made a mistake. He's, he's lifted up now. He's, mm. he's enlightened in um, which I think then turns right into perhaps, you know, a lot of our favorite Lukes, which is the the Luke that's pretty badass when he comes into Jabba's palace <laughs> and seems to be in control, seems to be um, a new man in a lot of ways, right? And, and the bowels of Cloud City also feel like a rebirth moment, right? You're going to go down, you're going to slide out this tunnel. Now I'm getting too graphic. Yeah. And then you, uh, you'll reemerge as your new self. Um, and the beautiful last shot of Empire where uh, Leia and Luke are childlike in the window, right? Mm. Um, we don't know their siblings, but they are dressed kind of more plainly, and they just look small in the, the scope of the whole galaxy. So Luke uh, reemerges as a, as a new man in Return of the Jedi. Yeah. Oh, that's great. And it's funny you, you stopped yourself with the birthing analogies, but that's exactly how <laughs> Stephen Gallopow describes that moment in his book. He's all about how it's a birth. He's going down the tube now. The, the, there he goes down the, you know, the birth canal. And it's like, okay, we got it. Um, but also worth noting that who, who comes to rescue him from 
this this moment of of on the unknown is is Leia, right? Um, and this will be the first of three big times Leia pulls him back into the world. Uh, right. And then she's going to, I just never noticed this, but he pointed this out in the book, which I thought was beautiful is Luke probably would have stared. And I, I'm jumping ahead of us. So we'll come, we'll, we'll dial back and start. Sure. But at the end of return of the Jedi, right. Is he's looking at the, the, the force ghosts of, of, you know, his father and Yoda and Obi-Wan. Luke probably could have just stood there all night staring at that. Like to, to use Christian language, that's the beatific vision, right? It's this vision of a heavenly mm-hmm. realm. Um, and, but Leia is the one who comes back and pulls him back into the community, pulls him back into the celebration, um, right? Like she's the one who brings him back into the story. And then of course, when they connect in last Jedi, and again, I know we'll get into these more detail, but she's again, the one he's removed himself from the world, but when he connects to her, she brings him back. Um, so I just think it's really, it's just an interesting note that there's this consistency of Leia being the one who helps draw him back into the story. Yeah, I mean, I think at some point when we were discussing um, Last Jedi, you know, I, I, at at some point we were like, well, what what is his motivation there? And and I said, it's the same thing it always is. It's Leia. Yeah. Um, if you look at Luke's actions across the OT, there's very little he does without having Leia as a prime motivation, like you're saying. Um, and I do think who leia changes in that right because i mean in a new hope it's very much like who's the cutie uh i want to go have adventures (laughs) with her um whereas then in um empire it's more about the cause i think at least in the beginning and then 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 just love friendship and and love right the love for his friend leia that gets him to leave dagobah um, and then the the big motivation that that we skipped uh, going right to Ewok celebration is when he almost falls to the dark side, right? Yeah. And and what does Vader tempt him with? It's Leia, and he's gonna say, "Oh, I'm gonna go get your sister, and then she'll join me." Um, and that is, you know, the closest I think Luke ever comes to the dark side is is screaming Leia and just going completely on the offensive in that moment, um, kind of letting his buttons be pushed in some ways, uh, and then he dials it back. But um, I think. Uh, the connection between the two characters shouldn't be underestimated when we're talking about Luke. Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, well, and you know, we, we, we just glossed over a lot right there. Um, but for, for good reason. Um, but going back to, you know, early return of the Jedi, Luke strolling in, you know, like, like the, the badass Jedi Knight that we wanted him to be since a new hope, he walks in there. So self-assured very confident, bordering on almost arrogant, depending on who you ask, right? Some people will say, like, there's a bit of an arrogance to him when he stands before Jabba. Um, I'm touching into the dark side without any hesitancy. It yeah. seems, right? I'll just choke some pigs. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. They, yeah. Don't, they don't matter. <laughs> so they're in my way. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Out of my way, swan. Um, but, um, yeah, you know, so we get this very intimidating Luke. Um, but I think what's to me, the biggest things about job, the Java sequence that are important for where Luke is at is first and foremost, he's following through on that promise. He was hoping to keep an empire, which is to rescue his friends. Right. I, and I, and I think this is, this is something I know we'll talk about in a little bit here when we get to the sequels. Um, but right, this is something so big to so many folks that Luke, there's such a core part of Luke that helps his friends when they are in need, he goes to help them. Um, right. I mean, this is a very immediate need because it's picking up right 
shortly after Empire, so the, the story is still being told. But there is this Luke who comes in response to his friends. But I also think it's really important and worth noting that Luke rolls into Jabba's palace completely weaponless, right? He doesn't have his lightsaber with him. Um, he goes in there with the hopes. I mean, he's trying, he tries to offer money first, right? Jabba, what he assumes to be Jabba's biggest motivator. Um, but Luke chooses first and foremost, the way of negotiation, the of peace, right? Of nonviolence. Um, he doesn't pull the weapon until it's the very last like it's the very last option, which I think is that has been a consistent thing in, uh, you know, some of the High Republic stuff. There's several times Jedi have pointed out, like, we only fight when it's our last option. Right. It's it's we're never warriors first. That's always our that's always our last option. And I think Luke rolling into Jabba's palace is holding to that to that notion of Jedi hood um, that he's going in there offering peace and a way to undo this this mess. But when all out, when all else fails, he will fight to defend. Well, and and that is very much the lesson from the cave on Dagobah, right? Uh, you leave away, put your weapons. Need them, you will not, right? Um, that he needs to leave that outside the tree and go in himself. And I think you're right to point out that that's the Luke we see going into Jabba. Jabba's palace, and and again the the thinking of the vision of the the door behind him, and he's entering a cave again, mm-hmm. right? It's it's an echo of of a mythological cave, um, and headed into darkness and the unknown, um, confident. And you're right, and and again, I can't think of those moments without the mystery we have as as viewers. Like what 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 has Luke been doing? He's he's all in black now. He looks like Vader. We know he was offered. Something like did did we miss a beat here? Did he become dark? Um, and I think you know, going back to what I said in my initial comments, that's almost like a vision of Luke that uh, the nerdy kids want. To, it's like, oh, he did it. He's so cool now. He's look, he's dressed all in black. He's got leather boots. Um, and yet, as the movie goes on, we see that he doesn't. He that's not the Luke he is. And you've pointed out so many times it comes with the flipping down of the triangle, right? Mm. He's not dark. He's a beacon of light. And and when it, it comes time to, to be his true self, we'll, we'll see that the darkness can't uh, encompass him or, or totally envelop him. Um, and, and then the other thing I just want to point out is, you know, the, I, I think there's been a lot of hay on the internet in recent years of like how terrible Luke's plan seems to be. Like <laughs> yeah. there's, way in which he's still the kid who's in over his head and because of filmmaking it all works out perfectly for him (laughs) but you're like okay so lando's been there how long and you're gonna send your best weapon in the droid your plan relies on the droid getting made a waiter on the sail barge (laughs) so you can like it really doesn't hold up to scrutiny um but i think you know you could you could retcon it with the force works in mysterious ways you could retcon it with he just puts enough pieces on the board that he has option after option after option in the end lando doesn't do all that much and you could imagine a version of events falling out where lando would do a lot and thank goodness he's been there this whole time but uh yeah it, it is still to me um in the first half of return of the jedi 
Luke doesn't know what he's doing. And that comes up uh, again when, when he immediately is like, I'm going to Endor with you. And then he's like, oh, shoot, I shouldn't have come with you. <laughs> um, he's not he, – he may act confident. He may act self-assured. But he's not there yet. He's not there until the proclamation at the end of the movie, for me anyway. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I would – I'd say the exact same thing. Um, and between between him coming in as a self – self-understood Jedi Knight and actually becoming a Jedi Knight at the end of the movie. Uh, I think one other really big integral part of Luke's quest is the fact that he's now going to, when he returns to Dagobah again, returning with the assumption, I am a Jedi. No, Mm. you're not, not until you confront (laughs) Vader, right? Yoda never is explicit about what that's going to look like. He just says, you have to confront him. Um, And uh, so, Again, in this book by Stephen Gallipo, he points out that for for Luke's personal struggles go hand in hand with the continuation of the Jedi religion. Until Luke has himself figured out, he's not going to be capable to pass on that Jedi religion that Yoda is handing down to him. But again, right, this this final mandate from Yoda is a huge of huge importance to Star Wars fans of Luke Skywalker. It, you know, it's it's his job to continue the Jedi Order. He is the mm-hmm. last Jedi. Is is Return of the Jedi ends. Um, and he, he does, but there's going to, there's going to be some fallout. Um, but yeah, I, I, you know, any thoughts around, you know, that whole mantle Yoda's passing off to him? I mean, is Yoda being wise? Uh, like I, I find it again, it's, it's, this is, I mean, this, this moment is so classical, like mythology and, and, and religion, like Buddha, you know, Buddha has dying statements on his deathbed. Um, you know, G- even Jesus has a final directive to, to go sp- spread his message around the world. Um, Yoda's message is, but it's quite simple. And in a, you know, in a, a maddening way, probably for future Luke, not all that specific pass on what you've learned. He doesn't say restart the Jedi order. He doesn't, you know, there's no specificity to it. It's just simply pass on what you've learned. Um, it, how do you think Yoda like interpreted this 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 final send off to Luke? Well, it felt so natural in I, I can't say 1983, but in the <laughs> the 80s and early 90s that it's like, oh, yep, this is it. Like Yoda is so sure he's the last of the old order, and he's making sure that Luke not only kind of. Uh, Finds his his knighthood fulfills his destiny, but that he will then pass on what he's learned eventually. And it's a moment that for me I can't disentangle from the prequels. Now that this is Yoda and Obi Wan's great failure, right? Is not stopping Anakin. It's their unfinished business. Is perhaps better than than mm. greatest failure. And so as he's dying, he's like, "Oh right, I forgot this one thing." <laughs> um, that I really wanted to get done, um, but I got to roll over and go to sleep now. Um, so I think there's a way in which I can't now view that as um, the culmination of the march from Revenge of the Sith, right? Like we're going to put this another convoluted plan in action and someday Luke will redeem his father. Um, um, and there's been wonderful things like the, um, the, from a certain point of view books where uh, Yoda thought it would be Leia and it, could it have been either of them? You know, there's been some fun art going around Twitter this week of the the what if if we swap the two Skywalker twins and things like that. Um, and I think that there's I think that's such a tempting place to tell stories because it 
does seem like um, it didn't have to be this way in a way in which it never felt that way prior to the prequels and the prequels. It's like, yep. The, the last warrior, the last monk will restart the order, start a new temple, find students. Um, but then after the prequels and, and with all the intervening, you know, materials, um, not to mention the comics right now that are working on this, this time period between empire and Jedi and working to, to redefine some of that and our beloved shadows of the empire. Um, you know, all of that kind of is woven into that moment of, of destiny, but it is very much, uh, it, you know, get your house in order and then start the religion back up. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it's, it's, it's neat that, you know, I mean, I, I think a, a huge part of who Luke Skywalker is as well is he is the, he's the future of the Jedi. Um, he, he's going to pass on, uh, to future generations, what that's supposed to look like. Um, and and yeah. sorry, one one yeah. other thought is just that at that moment too. Back to my first thought of he's the everyman. We mm. all dream that could be us, right? And when you talk to fans who felt so angry about the prequels generally or midi chlorians specifically, it was because I think it took away that fantasy to them. He was no longer we we couldn't be Luke because we weren't born with midi chlorians and that. You know, we obviously don't have to renegotiate the last twenty years of fandom as as that has become such a debate point. But I do think that that was part of the reaction to the prequels. Is like, no, 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 I'm supposed to be able to be Luke Skywalker. He's me, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah that's a great point. Um, and yeah, so well, <laughs> that aside, you know, Luke goes off to Endor. He goes off with his friends. Um, and I think it's really interesting that, you know, Luke goes with them. There's like the happy reunion on the home one as they leave then in shuttle Tidarium. But Luke immediately knows, Oh crap, I'm putting everyone in danger. Vader's there. He knows Mm -hmm. I'm coming. And eventually Luke makes again, a decision to separate himself from his friends. He says, I have to go do this. This is what I have to do. You can't come with me, sister. By the way, yes, you're my sister. <laughs> um, <laughs> you can't come with me because this is this is me. To use your term, Greg, like getting, I have to get my house in order. This is for me to yeah. do. Um, and I think when he goes to to meet his father, and I know I just talked about this moment last week on the show because I, I really love that scene between the two of them. Um, but I think what really makes this this moment work so much too is again. Kind of similar to Dagobah, he's in a different place for sure. But just like on Dagobah, Luke trusts his instincts. He's going to do what feels right to him. Even though, I mean, Obi-Wan clearly thinks confronting Vader means killing him. I think that is made pretty explicit in their last conversation on Dagobah between Obi-Wan and and, and Luke. But that's not what Luke feels he's meant to do. Um, so he's going to follow those instincts, even though Leia, even Leia doesn't want him to do it, right? Like, that's not going to be safe. That won't go well. This isn't going to go the way you think, um, right? <laughs> like, that doesn't seem to be the, the best way to preserve your life, dear Luke. But he's convicted to it, right? There's, there's a stubbornness to Luke when he makes a decision. Um, and, and I think that's him really trusting those instincts to go, to go and try to bring his father back. Well, and who did he get that stubbornness from but his father? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'll do things my way. And it is such an important moment 
for Luke, and and I obviously know as a long time Wampus Lair listener that you you talk a lot about the balcony um, where he talks with Vader, and 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 the one where he talks with Leia. I haven't listened to last week's yet, but I, I'm sure those came up. Um, and as I think about who Luke is in that moment, it is it is self-assured like we wanted to be he we wanted him to be at Jabba's palace and what drew us into that that Luke is like oh he's very confident now but it's also um a humble Luke at the same time right it's that that dichotomy of well yeah I'm gonna go in but I don't go in guns blazing Uh, my instinct is to surrender to get myself into the place I need to be and then I will trust the force myself negotiation I will um I will be victorious, but I'm not going to be that type of Jedi. Um, and again, you know, I think to your point about Obi-Wan, um, Obi-Wan and Yoda are prequel Jedis. And again, we, looking at it now, right? And and when you're a prequel Jedi, that you think the only way is to get out your lightsaber and do some fancy dancing, right? Um, and, <laughs> and take down your foe. Um, and I think this is such a key moment where Luke starts to... Um, kind of look at himself while also rejecting the part of the Jedi dogma that are problematic. And you can see it in his attachment to his friends, and we can see it in um, his choice to, to not arm himself and to not want to kill Vader, but to instead seek redemption and um, reconciliation. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, and... You know, I think we can we can wrap this up with Luke's OT journey by looking at what happens on that Death Star, um, mm. and you know, kind of as we've already alluded to, quite specifically, we do see Luke lash out twice in in this moment. You know, Palpatine keeps taunting him, keeps taunting him. You know, mm-hmm. your fleet's about to get destroyed. My best troops are going to slaughter your friends on the moon. And Luke finally springs in action. Again, his friends are being threatened. And then to a much greater degree when he lashes out against uh, his father for fr- threatening specifically Leia. Um, so, right, there, it establishes that Luke has a bit of a temper. Um, and what causes him to not be his best self is to threaten those he cares most about. Which, again, that, that's the same thing that happens to Anakin. You know, his mm. his in a sense, the heart is in the right place. You want to protect the people you love, but how you protect them is also important. Um, and Luke recognizes that. Right. And and the moment he becomes a Jedi is when he turns that lightsaber off and throws it aside. That is when Luke Skywalker becomes Luke Skywalker Jedi Knight. Um, and I think why he's so confidently and, and in such a way that so many of us all these years later still love that line. I am a Jedi is. That is the every man becoming the fulfillment of all he's hoped to be. And and mm. he does it in a very difficult, not expected way, right? I think in A New Hope, we probably all expected, the, the audience of 1977 probably thought, oh, by the end of this story, Luke will have vanquished Darth Vader, which probably meant kill him. Chop and, off his head like in the cave. <laughs> yeah. And this, I mean, this story turns it on its head, right? That's yeah. not what he's called to do. That's not what he's meant to do. Um, he's found a better path. Well, and Star Wars, as George has always said, at its heart is about teaching young people how to grow up. And growing up is not slashing apart what you don't like, right? Um, it is a 
trip for Luke across the old OT from being selfish to being selfless, um, to finding in others the fulfillment he needs. And, and like you're saying, it's, it's what, eventually you know he's on the knife's edge it's kind of a a tense scene right um across uh, all his time in that throne room um and so there are temptations to fall to the dark but what he actually does is become an adult he realizes that this can't just be my story this isn't just about me it's about me and my father it's about me and my sister it's about me and you know the guy i met at a bar with his giant wookie friend um (laughs) and in doing so he reaches adulthood and um you know one thing i don't want to ruffle feathers out there on the internet but i think some that separate a lot of fans reactions to luke skywalker is there are people who look to star wars to revel in their childhood and there are people who look to star wars to teach them something about growing up and about maturing and about being uh about the real world and i you know this goes back whatever our 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 show was a long time ago about um nostalgia versus innovation or you know fan service versus innovation and i i do think that there's there's an aspect of that difference um, between how fans react to Luke Skywalker. And, you know, I'm somebody who wants to look at myself in the art I consume, and I want to learn something about who I am, what I believe from that art. And so for me, it's always about teaching me something. Um, but that doesn't mean that going there to to escape and to be just purely joyful in the, the mind of a child is wrong, right? I mean, Yoda tells us that in, in uh, I think, Attack of the Clones. Is that a movie? Yep. I've heard that's a movie. <laughs> uh, so, um, so I do think that as we look at those final moments, for me, it's all about Luke. Luke recognizes how the world works. He's the master. He gets to make the proclamation, the the I am Ishmael, the uh, Ray Skywalker <laughs> proclamation. Um, but at the same time, um, I think there are others who still don't quite understand that he could never have been the the kind of Jedi Vader was at the end of Rogue One, right? Yeah. Well, and also Vader's not a Jedi at the end of Rogue One. He's a Sith Lord. Right. <laughs> um, but he's so cool. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. And yeah, uh, yeah I think – that's that's a that's a great point that um how people how people approach star wars just in a general way as well as then how that applies specifically to a character like luke um that there are those and and i think at the end of the day for the best of us that that sounds rude because it puts saying the best of us means that there are others that are worse but i Hmm. think the best well I, i would say the best possible solution is kind of a both and right that it can be both and that you can revel in the nostalgia of it and the pure fun of it and want to grab your plastic lightsaber and run around your backyard or (laughs) or watch your son do it or whatever because there's such a there's such a a silly giddiness to that 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 that's enjoyable but i think again what's going to keep you coming to the stories is the fact that they can mirror something about the real world they th- that they can teach you a lesson because if 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 you care about Star Wars as a myth, you have to care about Star Wars teaching lessons <laughs> um, mm. you know if you just want Star Wars to be fast and the furious um, and again not to, to belittle fast and furious i 've never <laughs> seen one, but right there you go there to be thrilled and have a fun time. Um, to be fair, it does sound like family is a huge message in all those movies. Again, (laughs) I've not seen them. Um, but when you go to a modern myth like star Wars, you, 
you kind of want both of those things. And I always go back to what Stephen Colbert said when he hosted the the main stage uh, at the last celebration, um, where he said that he loves Star Wars because we it is something that you can escape and find delight. Um, mm. And it changes you. I, can't, oh, I wish I can't remember the exact quote, but it's just so good. But it, it, he essentially says it's the both end of what we've been talking about. Um, yeah. And yeah, I, I think we get those. You know, I mean, we we I mean, I, I shouldn't say we, but it, at least for myself, I love when Luke goes nuts on Vader. I love it because the the choir singing is so cool. Um, <laughs> I love like kind of that aggressive dueling style that we haven't seen him use before. Like there's an excitement to it, but at the same time, it almost makes you catch yourself when Luke looks down at that severed hand back to his own mechanical hand. And it's like, Oh wait, that's right. This isn't the way to go. Right? Like mm. there is, there is, there's an excitement and a rush to going that aggressive route. Of course there is, right? Like we've all been on Greg, you and I, we drive in Boston. We know the the rush, yeah. <laughs> the rush of road what rage, right? Like when someone yep. cuts you off, the easiest thing to do is throw a finger, <laughs> you know? Um, <laughs> but right. Like, is, is that who, is that the best thing to do? Um, yeah. Right. So, um, well, and, and you, you made the movie comparison. I, w- I was thinking the same thing. I wasn't going to pick on Fast and Furious. I was going to pick on the Transformers, right? Much like better. some people love Transformers <laughs> movies and some people love the Academy Award nominees for best drama. And it's so, like, those are totally different experiences and it doesn't mean one is better or worse. It's what you're looking for there. Um, and I, the other comparison that came to mind is, is like, Hey, if I'm starving and dinner's like a half hour away i want nothing more than to tear open a bag of doritos and go to town but you know just because it's fulfilling and it tastes good doesn't mean it won't lead to regret and a lack of nourishment which is what my dinner will bring me if i wait and eat to it um so i think you know again i and i want to just as you did i want to be sure to say i'm not trying to denigrate the experience of pure escapism or or just approaching it for fun but for me i think to understand star wars the way i do i have to find that nourishment um to in some form of it and when i look across the parts of star wars i love and the parts i don't it often comes down to that am i being nourished am i being taught something um or is it just you know just pure fun um yeah and i i personally want the nourishment yeah well I, i'll is you know obviously as you're well aware attack of the clones is one of my favorite Star Wars movies and same with Jason's, but I will forever, whenever I watch this movie at home, I always fast forward the, the shenanigans in the droid room. Like I just, that scene <laughs> bores the hell out of me. The CGI is terrible. Yeah. It's just not an exciting part, but you know, if I was seven years old watching that, I'm sure that might be one of my favorite scenes in the movie. Right. <laughs> um, because there's just a silliness to it, but I'm certainly not nourished by it. I fast forward. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, but um, well, as as we move forward, I think you know we have to. Well, I guess maybe before we hop into Legends, Luke, let's stop at the last appearance we have of Luke in the new canon, which is Mandalorian, right? Um, mm. Definitely worth mentioning because it's 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 part of the reason we're having this conversation, <laughs> right? I I don't know about you, Greg. So like going back to watching that episode for the first time, you know, we know that Grogu reached out, you know, when he's captured there on, um, I think it's Tython. Is that the planet they're on? Um, And, you know, that he obviously connected to some Jedi and right for those two weeks in between, everybody was guessing, is it going to be Ezra? Is it going to be, is it going to be Luke? Is it going to be Cal Mm. Kestis from the Jedi fallen order video game? 
right? Those those were the three big names being thrown around. Um, and I know when as soon as the X-Wing flies by, I was like, okay, it's Luke. Like, that's all I needed. And, and, and then you see the black hood. You're like, it's Luke. And then they show you the lightsaber hilt. You're like, it's definitely Luke. Like, <laughs> the reveal of the face at that point, if like, again, like for folks like us who've seen Star Wars a bazillion times, there were plenty of clues before the 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 hood comes back. I think for us, yeah. just when the hood comes back, it's just like, oh shoot, who is it going to be? Is it has he been recast? <laughs> right, like, yeah. Um, and right, there's there's a. I know, speaking for myself, that first time I watched it, I was like, this is incredible. Like, this is awesome. Like, we watched Din Djarin, who's been our like badass warrior for two seasons, give give his all to barely defeat one dark trooper. <laughs> And yeah. <laughs> then and then Luke marches through them like Qui-Gon and Obi-Wan on a droid battleship, right? At the beginning of episode one, right? Like he's going through there, slicing through them like they're nothing. But it's also important to note, it's not like he's reveling in the combat. He's on his way to to save someone who's in dire need, right? So he is he is fighting to save something. He's not just there to F stuff up, <laughs> you know, um, but there is a, there is an excitement to that, right? These these are the stories, and we're going to hop into these for a little bit here in a second with the EU Luke. But these are the stories that we've sat with in our own heads for you know twenty plus years, thirty plus years, you know, before the sequel trilogy ever even came out, right? We had all these stories, both written and imagined, of who Luke was, and to me, Luke and Mandalorian, he is the Jedi Knight warrior. Right. Which I think is a is a part of being a Jedi. He is the warrior who fights the good fight, who saves the people in need. Um, And as we talked about, he's the future of the Jedi. And there's obviously another incredibly powerful force sensitive out there. So Luke's reacting. Um, So I love that moment. It's tremendously exciting. Um, But it's not the end of the journey. Right. It's another step. (laughs) It's another step in the journey. So uh, you're reminding me, I, I sat with my son the other day in the car and he said, Dad, I, we haven't watched a Star Wars movie in a while. I was like, oh, well, we, we could go back and we could watch them all in order. He's like, yeah, one, two, three. And I'm like, no, no, no. In order is four, five, six, <laughs> one, two, three. And he, he you know, I, he'd been familiar with this before, but he was like, what are you talking about, Dad? <laughs> like, are you crazy? Because he's at an age where he can't see the difference in the filmmaking he just watches the stories. And so he's like, why would we start with four? <laughs> um, and it's very hard to explain to a five-year-old why that is. So I, I mentioned that because so much of what you're saying is we, the decision to go from the OT to the PT and then come back much later to the sequels kind of necessitated that we skip over this period of time with Luke at the height of his powers, right? Um, it sounded like you know we're essentially in agreement that he – he reaches that point in the last 20 minutes of return of the Jedi, maybe the last 10 minutes at that. And then we don't get to see it. We got to read about it. We got to see it in comics. We got to play it in video games, but we didn't get to see it. Um, And then we get 30 years on when, you know, he's not in his prime anymore. And it could never, I I mean, I guess with the de-aging technology, they could have given us a, a sequel trilogy set in, 10 years after Return of the Jedi, but it would have felt weird, right? Everybody yeah. would have complained. Like yeah. Samuel L. Jackson, I love him in Captain Marvel until he starts running. And then you're like, oh, you're 80. Like <laughs> you're, you're not you're not actually 25 or whatever he's supposed to be. <laughs> uh, all those numbers are off. I think he's in his 70s, not his 80. But 
Um, so all that is to say, like, we were robbed that Luke just by circumstances. And so that that made the fulfillment of him coming out as that Luke in that episode just absolutely thrilling. And, you know, I watched that at 5 a.m. last December alone in my living room. I'm pumping my fist in the air. And it was it was like, is it's, are they going to go there? Like that is that that looks like Luke's X-Wing. Right. But no, they can't go. Wait, that that does look like Luke. Um, and it just was so wonderful. Um, you know, for me, when he threw back the hood, it was very much like um, the first time I saw Rogue One and you see Tarkin in the window and you're like, you clever guys, you knew what you were doing. You can't deliver on Tarkin. So you're just going to make him a little reflection. How smart are you? And then Tarkin turns around <laughs> and you're like, oh, my God, like yeah. they're, they're going for it. And success or failure, they're trying. And I felt that way about Luke. There are times when I'm very much convinced by that deep fake and times when I'm not. But. I kind of admired that they, they went for it. it. George would go for it, right? Yes. Like he would push the envelope and try. So I found that moment hugely fulfilling. And I think it was very much to me a, a, the Luke we were missing, but not in any way a contradiction to the Luke journey we'd been given the rest of these movies and and in the new films in particular um because that luke means just as much to me as luke cutting apart um dark troopers it's just a different luke and a different moment in his path and i my reading on it is always to see where is he where is that in relation to me and my life and my experiences and how would i kind of place myself in that moment or in those emotions um moving forward so um it is like i i mean i don't think i know any star wars fans who hated it maybe some people who weren't looking for that i think is the worst i've heard like Mm. yeah we don't need that it should have been its own separate story but i think almost everybody i know loves it um and i'm i think this is pure speculation but i think the fact that they told us all the secrets of it that means we're not going to see more of him i think this was kind of a one and done and now they're going to show you how the trick was done right yeah and so that way um you know grogu will just be off with luke um i'm not like any more skywalker from mando season three mm. yeah I, yeah I, I doubt i doubt we'll get any more of him either um but uh, you know i i probably should have actually waited to come to this to more chronologically in luke's telling of his story rather than our canonical mm-hmm. order but yeah because i think so after the original trilogy wrapped up from essentially 1983 until 1991, you didn't get any Star Wars stories um, except for, well, I guess the crazy Marvel comics. But um, Well, and just the ones you wrote with your action figures. <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And Splinter of the Mind's Eye, which is terrible in my opinion. <laughs> it's one of the few Star Wars books that I would say that sucked. <laughs> um, that's again my – I also what, – what? We read this, what, like three or four years ago like as a group. Um, so right before solo, yeah, I think. yeah, yeah. So, I mean, as a reading as a modern person with so much Star Wars lore now <laughs> under our belts, it's kind of garbage, in my opinion. Um, <laughs> but be that as it may, right, until 91, you don't get any new canonical stories about Luke Skywalker, and then boom, Heir to the Empire shows up, and that world just skyrockets. Is from 91 till essentially Lucasfilm is sold, you've get you get mm. new Star Wars novels all the time and Luke's in almost all of them. Um, <laughs> so that's a lot of Luke Skywalker storytelling. And I think, so obviously 
I mean, I'm not a, a scholar of the EU legends. I mean, there are other folks out there that are certainly much more attuned to it than I am because they've read them multiple times, still read them multiple times. Um, but to me, kind of the biggest thing they did with Luke and what I would call the early legends era, which is basically 91 through new Jedi order is Luke is ultimately the one who's setting up his new Jedi, right? That's so the Jedi Academy trilogy is, is all about him setting up this new Jedi Academy, finding force adepts and training them in the ways of the force to start a new Jedi order. Um, he's doing this in conjunction with the new Republic, right? So there's he in, you know, again, looking back on the prequels, he's, kind of doing what he probably shouldn't be, which is aligning his his Jedi with a political system. Um, you know, he's not keeping church and state separate, um, to use our vernacular. Um, but yeah, that's, that's to me early Legends Luke, is he's very concerned with setting up a new Jedi order. Um, and that's really where his story is centered. Um, there is, you know, so I just reread Heir to the Empire a few months ago for the show, and I think with Heir to the Empire, we get we do get a Luke who's a bit trepidatious about starting a new Jedi Order. Um, and that trepidation comes from the fact that he doesn't know if he's capable of doing this. He doesn't know if if he's going to redo the mistakes that Ben Kenobi did. Um, so, I, I, you know, I do appreciate that the, the Thrawn trilogy... Um, which is, I believe, five years after Return of the Jedi, five to seven, something like that. But you do have a Luke who's, who's still wary about starting a new Jedi Order, right? Because he doesn't want to. He doesn't want the same thing to happen that happened with his own father. Um, so that was something even early in Legends, Luke. Um, there is that reluctance of, well, it's in my, it's in our blood that Skywalker's can go bad, <laughs> you know. <laughs> Um, it makes me think about it. So when I, you know, exactly as you said, I'm not a scholar of the EU either. I read it all, but it's been at least 20 years since I read it all. Um, so when I think back to that Luke Skywalker, I think of him as a kind of journeyman for a long portion of it, mm. that he ends up on a series of different tasks where he's off seeking something. Um, students for his academy, um, Jedi knowledge more generally is some of the later books. He's, he's yeah. seeking that with his son, Ben. Um, or, uh, there's also like a weird set of three or four where he's looking for his mom. Yeah. When we, none of us knew who his yeah. mom was, uh, the black and kind of trying to fill in that. One. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. 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 So, um, so coupling that with what you just said, I think it's like, um, when you have a paper to write and you sit down at your desk and you're like, well, first I got to organize my desk and first I got to, you know, get my snacks here in place. And then I got to do this. It's kind of like that. It's like he goes around. He's so nervous about starting the Academy and repeating his father's mistakes that he goes around trying to over prepare for it and to, Hmm. to gather all the knowledge he can to try to prevent that mistake from happening um, again. Um, And then uh, I'll jump to the other image I have kind of of Luke Skywalker when I think about Legends Luke Skywalker is your favorite, man. It's the 1995 Power of the Force action figure, (laughs) He-Man Luke. Yeah. Uh, You know, completely stacked, busting out of his shorty robe, uh, just ready to (laughs) kick the the galaxy's ass. Um, And I think that is, for me, what Legends Luke became – they didn't know what to do with him because he's so powerful and he's so strong 
they you know they they made him the teacher and then whatever you know narratively whenever you throw a super powered individual into it you kind of have to take away his superpowers in some way so you get the isalamari and mm-hmm. things like that to try to 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 uh nerf him i think is the gaming term right <laughs> um and i i think there was this luke that just became incredibly powerful to the detriment of the storytelling of of legends and and i will always caveat that with for me i mean some people love those stories um but for me the symbolic part of that uh the symbol of that is when he became grandmaster of the jedi right that they 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 did the Jedi Council thing in the in the EU, and then the Jedi Council had so many factions and bickering, and nothing was getting done. Luke became the Jedi Grand Master that got to kind of direct everything and and push things around. And to me, it it was almost like a godlike stature. He, mm. you know, nobody ever thought Luke was going to die. Some people wanted him to, but it felt like he was going to. When you read those stories, you weren't like, I hope he survives this one. It was, how is he going to survive this one? Um, And so I think that is who Luke was. And when people react so strongly, kind of EU lovers react so strongly to Mandalorian, I think they're thinking like, finally, I get Grandmaster Skywalker. I get that Luke that's all powerful. Yeah. When I'm thinking about the... Um, well, even right, like you, you joined us earlier this year for the 25th anniversary of Shadows. So, you know, I reread that book earlier this year as well. And several times throughout that book, and that book is just in 96. So again, early in the, the EU uh, saga, several times Vader in, in his contemplative moments is thinking about how Luke is probably the strongest Jedi who's ever lived. Right. So it, they're already establishing that in canon that. You know, as strong as Darth Vader was, because, again, we still don't have the full story of Anakin. Luke Skywalker is the Jedi bar none, right? Like he is the man when it comes to being the Jedi. Um, And then, you know, I've not read all of the new Jedi Order series still to this day, and I still don't have a desire to. But from what I have read, um, you know, and, and again, just speaking of it, even in a more general term, what is the role of the Jedi in that that particular series? They're warriors. They're fighting the Yuuzhan Vong, right? And again, like, is there subtleties to that? I'm sure that there is, and a lot of which I'm missing from not having read a lot of it. But just in a more generalized way, I mean, this is their Clone Wars, if you will, right? Just as the Clone Wars drew the Jedi of the PT into something they were never supposed to be, the war with the Yuuzhan Vong draws Luke and his Jedi with him into this, you know, what's for a while seemed like an endless war because those there were 19 of those books <laughs> yeah <laughs> um you know and and so much of of who luke is is a warrior right so if you grew yeah. up from essentially 99 through i think the last book was in the mid 2000s i mean a good five to seven years of star wars stories with luke just as grandmaster warrior luke right like that's that's a big part of his story um, and then, like you said, the last thing he's really involved with is is the it's the um, fate of the Jedi series, which I, I still only ever read one book from. But it is like Luke is put on trial f- because Jason Solo became Darth Cadus. So Luke is being weirdly held responsible. And he's, again, sent off on this quest to learn more about the Jedi's past and learn more about the Sith. Um, mm-hmm. So, again, it's just kind of a retelling Um of his, so his story is incredibly circular through the legends canon, I would say. And I want to just share this quote really quick from that book I mentioned earlier. And I think it's really important as we get ready to talk about 
uh, sequel trilogy, Luke. Um, but Stephen Galapau says humanity is constantly searching for quote for new, more relevant mythology that reflects the psychological problems we encounter in our time. End quote. So legends, Luke, I don't think really f- nourishes that need for there. The world is a changing place. How do we respond to it? Um, well, again, and this is obviously a gross generalization and no way meant to diminish people's love of EU Luke, but what does EU Luke kind of teach you? It's just, well, you can just kick some ass cause you're godlike. And it's just like, uh, that's, that, that's not an every man, right? None of us are grandmaster anything. <laughs> um, well, and it, it sounds like nineties America, right? We yeah. felt invincible. We felt totally on top of the world. Nothing will ever touch us economically nothing will ever touch us militarily and it's been since you know 9-11 which we're just about on the anniversary of that we've felt vulnerable and had a lot of trouble dealing with those feelings as as a country and so i think you're right that when i look at those stories there was nothing more for luke to teach me um and even when you complicate him with a wife and a kid those were never his primary roles. And uh, there was still never any doubt that he wouldn't succeed, that he couldn't just overcome whatever personal or galactic struggles were set in front of him. Um, and exactly what you just said, I'll just end by underscoring that point. We lost every man, Luke, and we got God, Luke, and some people wanted to worship that God. And that's their right, right? And And it means so much to them that they had... You know, a, a superhero in in Star Wars, but I think, um, and I and I think at the time I I loved that too. It was when we got a new and different Luke that I realized how much more I liked that new look, Luke for me. Mm. Well, then let's let's talk about new Luke, sequel trilogy Luke, right? Um, because it's a very very different Luke than than Legends Luke. I would I would argue. Um, and I, to me, the first thing I think of when I think of sequel trilogy Luke and, and when we meet him in Last Jedi, I don't think Force Awakens is worth mentioning because he just looks at us um, and he looks I mean, he does. Oh, I had two hours on that. Lo- oh, oh, sorry. Uh, but no, no, <laughs> we'll skip it. I'll save it for the next appearance. <laughs> <laughs> we'll do a vote a whole episode to it next time. Um, but to me, it's just it's a jaded, broken man. Um, and I think that in that in and of itself was enough to just jar the hell out of so many i mean as you know greg i was insufferable for a long time after that movie came out and and for me it all centered around luke mainly and i think that's still for a lot of folks that's the biggest hang-up is like that's not luke right like he's he would never be like this he would never just run away and lose all his hope um but i think again there that's that's not who who, that's not who he is right like we're we're, Mm -hmm. i think we're, it's just such a visceral response right from the get-go when he tosses that saber over his shoulder. There's this visceral, like, what the fly in hell, right? Like, <laughs> And it just kind of, I think for a lot of folks, and again, I, I'll own it, myself included, you just kind of shut down then to any of the story about how he got there, right? Because it, it's it's there. It's there why, he's, why he is where he is. Um I think at the end of the day is you, you can still not like it, right? You can yeah. still not like it. Um, I don't think that gives then credence to the vitriol hatred, but uh, that's, <laughs> that's a conversation for, for another time. But um, yeah, I mean, it, 
What is it about that Luke? Because, I mean, you just said it. Like, this is the Luke, you know, you weren't expecting. I don't think any of us were expecting it. And yet it works so much for you. Um, you know, who, so who is who is Luke of Last Jedi? Oh, man, I have so many thoughts on this. <laughs> um, you already mentioned the quote that matters the most. This isn't going to go the way you think. Mm-hmm. And that, I, th- I think that was deliberately chosen for the trailer to make sure people understood that this is not the story you think it will be. Um, and I would very much include myself in that camp. Um, you know, I, I remember clearly, so when a sequel trilogy movie came out, I each time one came out, I got more and more ridiculous. Um, and so for Last Jedi, I went Thursday night after work. I did not have work on Friday, and I went three times during the day, And then I saw my colleagues at a Christmas party on Friday night, I think, or maybe it was Saturday night of that year. And everybody was like, oh, my God, like, how how was it? You've been five times already. Like, how how was it? And I was like, "Uh, I don't really know. (laughs) Like, it just was such a challenge to all I knew about Star Wars. And I think that that was true for everybody who saw it. I, I, I've never met somebody who was like, yep, that was exactly my Star Wars, and I loved every second of it, right? I think it challenges us. Again, to, uh, to bring in our friend Ben, he had this perfect metaphor for it when um, the three of us got together at a diner, I think that first weekend, and talked through our Last Jedi feelings. And he said, whenever there's a new Star Wars movie, it's somebody coming along and smashing my Lego set, and then I have to rebuild that Lego set with that new information. Mm. And I do think that Last Jedi in particular really requires that, that it does smash to hell what you thought Star Wars was, and you have to kind of rebuild it. And some people choose to and find a new version of Star Wars they love, a new Lego castle that, that works for them. And other people just walk away in frustration. And, and again, that's, that's their choice, and, and I don't blame them. I only blame them when they then go around smashing everybody else's Lego sets <laughs> after the yeah. fact to extend the metaphor. So who is Luke Skywalker in Last Jedi? He, to me, is back to being an imperfect person, right? He is somebody who the galaxy put all their hopes in, we all put all our hopes in and he couldn't handle the burden. And that is a tough look for my guy, right? It's a tough look for all of us who look to Luke Skywalker for light and goodness and inspiration. And it's a tough look for him in the galaxy. Um, I think, and one thing I'll, I'll just add in before I pass it back to you is that I think a lot of people who hate Luke Skywalker in last Jedi, put all the emphasis on the first half of the movie when you look at Last Jedi as a whole, I think a very different Luke Skywalker emerges at the end of that film. Um, but for the people who really hate Last Jedi Luke Skywalker, it does feel like um, you you can't believe this guy would fail. No, he's my hero. He is He's the 95 Power of the Force action figure. That guy doesn't lose fights. That guy doesn't yeah. run away a high. Have you seen his um, pecs? It's so hard. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> so I, I I totally understand people who who don't like it and, and again I respect that. But I do think that it was um a, an important Luke for the story Ryan Johnson wanted to tell. Mm. Yeah. Um 
You know, I was thinking, and I, I meant to mention this earlier, just right off the right off the gate, that in a lot of ways, right, Luke Skywalker is George Lucas, right, and he he has said over the years, you know, oh, you know, George was was the story of Luke in A New Hope your story? He said, well, to some degree, right, you know, I mean, he didn't have a disdain for his father that Luke seems to have for Owen, but right, there, there's that tension between father and 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 surrogate father, and right, like taking over the family stationery store for, in George's case and <laughs> not wanting to. Um, and, but I actually think thinking of Luke Skywalker as the George Lucas character in this world mm. makes you understand Last Jedi even a little more. Look at what happened to George after the prequel trilogy, right? Like, look at the way the world treated him. I mean, yes, diehard Star Wars fans. And again, I was still young during most of the prequels. So, I mean, I've loved and continue to love every prequel movie. Um, But look at the vitriol George faced, right? I mean, Phantom Menace came out and the popular line was George Lucas raped my childhood. I mean, you can't get any more disgusting than that. I mean, and as a person, as a person like George Lucas (laughs) is, of course, like, I mean, that's why, right? Like we've shared this before, right? His, his initial working title for episode two was um, Jar Jar Strikes Back. Like he did that to piss (laughs) off those fans, right? He was hurt. He was hurt by that community and continued to be hurt over the next seven years as he told the rest of his story. You know, you didn't do what I wanted here. Like Attack of the Clones. Oh, this is a stupid, boring love story. Revenge of the Sith. That's not how I wanted it to go. Right. People just just shit all over him. Right. So (laughs) he was a I mean, he's a much more jaded person as a result. Um, and I think if you think about that in the in, in the real world, Luke Skywalker sense of George Lucas, Last Jedi Luke makes a lot of sense, right? George walked away from that company. He was sick of it. He was sick of the vitriol that now is infecting Kathleen Kennedy and Ryan Johnson and, um, you know, anybody who's not a white man, usually, (laughs) you know, who wants to do anything with Star Wars, um, right? Like George got sick of that vitriol and walked away. Um, and don't forget, I, I absolutely agree with everything you just said. And the other piece of the puzzle I put in, don't forget that Katie Lucas was kind of getting ready to take this over. She wrote some Clone Wars episodes that mm. were beloved and was really ready. And then she had to leave social media because every time she posted something, she got pissy little fanboys being like, tell your dad not to change what Greedo says anymore. Oh, my God. Right. And like it was yeah. like she didn't need that. And I, I – I, this again this is we're all guessing what's going on inside that company i think the lucas children might have continued with the company if it wasn't for the fan response to the prequels that lingered over the clone wars and all of that moment i think george was like yeah i don't want you guys to have this life let's walk away let's let's take four billion dollars and go chill (laughs) right like it's, it's not that hard a life to go away from it and to leave that behind and and, you know, on I mean, I love fandom. I'm very active on Twitter, despite the psychological damage it does me. But we need to own that, that as a community, we really hurt a whole lot of creators, chief amongst them, probably George Lucas. So I think you're right to, to make that connection. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, you know, I, I just I I wanted to make sure we, that got in there, because I think <laughs> in some ways I, I don't. I don't think Ryan Johnson himself was consciously thinking that connection, right? Because he, he's he's been very clear about why he did what he did with Luke, um, and George Lucas never specifically comes up in that. But I do think it works if you really think about it. If, if George saw himself in that that initial story of Luke Skywalker, that 
the one stuck in his small town wanting to live a bigger life. And then years and years and years of living that bigger life in the bigger world and having to deal with so much disdain for, for your creative vision, right? Mm-hmm. Um, that's a lot of pressure to be put on his shoulders. Um, and I think that's exactly what we get when we get to Luke and, and, and Last Jedi. Um, and I think the most poignant scene for Luke in that movie is, is Lesson 2, where he talks about the failure of the Jedi, but finally gets under that veneer of the Jedi are the problem, the Jedi are the problem. I think the Jedi are the problem is the easy answer to his shame. And the shame centers around what happened with Ben and how it affected his relationship to Leia. Mm. I, uh, yeah, absolutely. Right. Han was Han about it, but Leia, like he couldn't face her. He had to run away because he couldn't um, deal with those feelings towards Leia. Um, just before we leave the George Lucas point, now I'll, I'll bridge mm. the two together. I wanted to also say something I've been thinking about a lot with star Wars lately is the beauty of a intergenerational story. And if you connect it to real world, George, George is a boomer. I think he's born in like 47, I want to say. I think that's right. So he's very much a boomer. And then he creates the defining myth of Gen X, roughly. I mean, Star Wars coming out in 77 is right on the Gen X millennial border there. Um, And then as his prequel movies come out, that is the moment that Gen X is souring, right? Um, and I swear this is a related tangent, but there's a fantastic documentary on HBO, uh, whatever, right now, whichever HBO you use, about the Woodstock that happened in 1999, um, which I would absolutely recommend to anybody because it's so well told. But one of the kind of strands they point out is that grunge in the 90s arrives, uh, arises in music because Gen X is just sick of it all of the lies they've been told and grunge as a thing is very progressive but as the 90s continues that sours completely and you go from nirvana that is angry and pissing all over the establishment to corn and kid rock and limp biscuit that are just (laughs) fucking pissed right Uh, that are just pissed and so um that music becomes all about anger and so as we look at the genres who we're talking about with Luke Skywalker, I mean, this is this is our age group, so I think we can yeah. talk pretty assertively about this, is that you go from people who believe in Luke, the defining myth of that, that generation, and just around the time of the prequels, those myths have fallen away. Uh, mm-hmm. The documentary uses that Offspring's song, um, Nana, why don't you get a job? I don't remember what that one's oh, called. Oh, yeah. I can't remember uh, either, yeah. But, but it, there's a line in that, like, wh- how can one damn street ruin so many lives? And it feels like that's what that generation was feeling at the time of the prequels. It's like we were promised the world. We could be anything, and then we can't be anything. And that is a hard part of growing up, right? Um, as two guys in their 30s, or I'm almost at the end of my 30s, I think we can say, like, it, a major part of growing up is realizing you're not going to save the world is realizing mm-hmm. that, you know, maybe you're just a guy or a girl, but maybe you're just a person yeah. <laughs> in this. And I think that a lot of fans don't want to face that in themselves, myself included. And last Jedi Luke Skywalker kind of makes you think about 
what if I don't get to save the world, right? He was Luke Skywalker. That's who I loved more than anybody. And he failed, right? Mm. He saw the darkness in himself, and in a moment of weakness, he gave into fear and was left with consequence and regret. And I think there are a lot of, again, you brought up young, so I'll psychoanalyze fandom. There are a lot of fans who saw themselves in that moment, that I didn't grow up to change the world. I didn't, I, I, I am just a person. And that can be a really hard truth about growing up and maturing. Now, I find that to be so nourishing, right? Mm. Because it's okay that you don't save the world. Maybe you weren't destined to save the world. And as a middle-aged man getting to Last Jedi, that's a message I needed, right? Like, I love what I do. I love my teaching. I love my family. But, I, I mean, you know, if I'm, if I'm phenomenal at what I do, people might remember me like 40 years after I die. But I'm not going to live forever, and I'm not going to be an immortal god. And that's okay. And I think that's the Luke Skywalker we're getting at. Is in the larger context of the whole saga, he's not going to be the single figure, the savior figure, the Jesus figure. He's just going to be a guy. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's not fair, but he's going to be a lower level. And I think Luke Skywalker coming to terms with that to his own fallibility is tough. And I can totally see why a lot of people were like, no, I can't handle that. <laughs> yeah. I, well, I mean, I think uh, to give voice to some of the uh, the criticisms and the ones that I've still sometimes I'm like, yeah, it's a good one. The biggest one, right, is, well, why would Luke just walk away from it, right? Why would he, you know, this didn't go the way he thought. He failed. So his solution is to go live in isolation and just let the Jedi die, right? Like, that do, like for a lot of folks, they're like, that just doesn't seem like Luke Skywalker, um, I mean, and clearly Mark Hamill was very vocal, um, you yeah. know, early on, like, I don't think this is what Luke would do, um, but also thoroughly respected and came around to the creative vision of Ryan Johnson and understood what he was trying to do. But right, I think that that is a valid criticism, right? Like we, we looked at those, the, the moment, uh, you know, on Dagobah, he interrupts his own training to go help his friends. He goes to Jabba's palace to help his friends. Um, right. So he's always the one who goes to help the friends. Um, but right, I know like in the audio commentary and, and in one of the documentaries, Ryan Johnson's very clear, like, well, this is to me is Luke doing the opposite of that. He always went to help, but he came to this realization of, oh, my gosh, I'm part of the problem. So I'm going to mm-hmm. remove myself from the equation, which of course is going to leave you feeling pretty bad about yourself and about the fact that you're not there to help fix things anymore because you firmly believe you can't, that you are part of the problem. Right. Um, and you know, I've, I've seen people throw this around in in the years since the movie came out that no one falls harder than an optimist. Right. Mm. Um, and I remember years ago, one of the, I just, this story has been burned into my brain. Um, this woman I went out with a few times years ago, who had, had just come out of a divorce was sharing with me about um, their ex-partner that they had always been this wonderful person all through life, all through their marriage, and then just decided to be mean, just decided yeah. that they were sick of all the crap life dealt with them. And now they were just going to be mean too. And that just stuck with me. Cause it's like, wow, like, right. That is, that is the way a lot of people just go. And, it, and it, 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 she didn't say it in such a way that it was like 
trying to shame that person or speak little, but just say they changed. They chose to take all the bitterness that they experienced in life and just say, you know what? Screw it. I'll be bitter too. <laughs> and, and it's right. Like, it's like, okay. And, and I think of that story still, even when I think of this Luke Skywalker and, and it's not quite the same way. Like he doesn't, he's not a bad guy. Um, but he's, he's chosen to believe this new, this new self narrative that he's a problem. Um, and as a problem, he needs to be out of the equation. And that's why in his mind, cutting himself off from the force and going away from it all is his solution. This isn't running away. It's again, it's, it's an intentional leaving. Um, and I also think about that moment, right? He, he's so ashamed of what he, that brief moment of, of, you know, giving into the fear, which again, we've seen him do in return of the Jedi a couple of times. That's not new. Mm. So I, I still don't understand why people are like, Luke would never try to murder an innocent. And it's like, did you pay attention to anything in star Wars? Like <laughs> he does it twice in return mm-hmm. of the Jedi. And again, he does it when his family's threatened and it's very clear in the dialogue. That's exactly what he sent the death of everything yeah. he loved. Um, but uh, all that to say, you know, that, that decision to, um, that decision to walk away is for him the heroic decision in some ways, but also he's so ashamed of what he's done. And um, I was I was actually rewatched Last Jedi with a friend this afternoon, um, and uh, and you know re- I was really taken by by that moment where he when he first tells Ray a version of what happened. Right, mm-hmm. he leaves out the part that why why. <laughs> been attacked um he leaves that part out and it just made me think like i wonder if he ever even contacted leia and and even if he Mm -hmm. did what he told her and it just got me thinking about my own life and some of the really really shameful things i've done in my own life because i've done them we all have and there are things that i have done that i've never told anyone because i'm so ashamed that i did them right and i and we'll go through those now (laughs) top five shames of (laughs) that's coming next week um (laughs) uh but right like i think it gets to this really nitty gritty, disgusting part of our stories that we are so uncomfortable with. And that's exactly what Luke's dealing with is he's done something so terrible. He's afraid to even tell the truth about it. Well, and all I would say in response to everything you just said is look at how challenged you are by that art. And when we were talking about Mm. nourishment before, those are the kinds of questions that real true myth is supposed to make us ask, right? Myth is about understanding the human experience. What makes us what we are? How are we here? What are we doing here? What is the stupid point of it all? And you're asking yourself that watching a popcorn movie, right? And that to me is why Last Jedi is so powerful as a film is that it encourages us to ask those questions. Now, again, some people are like, nope, I just want to see boom, boom, flash, bang, lightsaber fights, right? I don't want to ask those deep questions. But I think you're absolutely right to kind of say, you know, when we're thinking about Luke, I, I don't think I would separate the two emotions you were tracking there. Luke's actions that lead to him alone on the island are both a sacrifice he's making to help the galaxy and a selfish, cowardly act. And when I do something selfish and cowardly in my life, 
I always come up with a good justification for it, <laughs> right? Like I I will always tell myself a story that lets me do the selfish thing. I don't just say, screw my family, I'm being selfish. I'll tell myself a good reason. Like, well, you know, I sh- honey, I should really get the afternoon off because, you know, I'll be a better father when I get back home or whatever. No, I just want to go sit alone and read a book and drink coffee or whatever <laughs> it is. So, um, so I, I do think it's very much both, that Luke Skywalker – He's ashamed. He's embarrassed. Like you're saying, he wants to run away from Leia. I don't know about the galaxy, but especially Leia. He's ashamed that he lost her son and that his actions are going to cause Leia so much pain. So he runs away, and he develops a way to tell himself, this is how it has to be. The Jedi have to end as a part of that. Um, and I think that, that that is a huge challenge to understand how the guy in Return of the Jedi does that and i understand why fans would walk away from it but i would still say that everything we've just talked about is the first half of the movie right and he is ashamed he's in turmoil he's afraid he's all these things until ray makes him really question everything he's chosen and everything he has moved into and you know i'm Far from the first person to say, I'm probably the billionth person to say this, but it's the the dichotomy there that, that to me shows this is at the beginning when he's like, what do you want me to do? Walk out with my laser sword and strike down the whole first order or confront the whole first order? And then he does it by his <laughs> own volition at the end of the movie. And so to me, anytime somebody looks at that Luke and says, he sucks, I hate him, um, I'm like, but did you did you watch the rest of the movie? Because Luke becomes the man you want him to be. Um, and I would argue a better version of him because it's not a version that's just skating over his flaws and his failures. It's somebody who's grappled with that, who's really confronted the inner demons caused by failure. And as Yoda said, you know, that is who you are. That is what you're supposed to teach. And then he's got one last lesson for the galaxy, which is going to just tear it. Uh, wide open and really reignite the power of the Jedi in the universe. Mm. Yeah. And, and, and him going there to crate at the end too, he doesn't, he, he doesn't go there to save Ben. He knows he can't. And again, I think that's very sensible. It's, it's not that he thinks he's irredeemable, but he just knows he can't be the one because he's the one who pushed him. Right. In the same way that Obi-Wan Kenobi could have probably never redeemed a Darth Vader. Right. Um, yeah. too, too interwoven to the fall to be able to pull him out. Um, and am, am I right in thinking that he says to Leia, like, I can't save him? Yes, I can't. That's the line. Him. Yeah, because he doesn't say he can't be saved. Right. He point. just says, he says I, I can't. Save I him. came back to face him, and I can't save him. And then she says, I've, I've accepted the truth that he's gone, and and then nobody's ever really gone, right? Like, yeah. so he he. There's still hope that he can be, just not from Luke. Yeah, he's still the new hope. You're yeah. right. Yeah, nice point. And yeah. and I love so my my last partner. The first time we watched that movie together, she really loved Last Jedi, and she really loved Last Jedi Luke because she found OT Luke kind of boring. <laughs> um, <laughs> and she said, "I like that he went back to just say sorry because he does right. Like yeah. that's he went and conf- he confronts his failure and." Even though Ben, I'm sure you are. <laughs> he knows he, he doesn't really want to hear that, but he at least yeah. says, I'm sorry. Um, like he owns the and, fact. And, that he, and an, I'm sorry to Leia as well, just right. to yeah. reinforce your point, yeah, right? Yeah. He confronts her about his failure. Yeah. Um, yeah. 
so yeah, and and I right like there there is just so much ground between Return of the Jedi and Last Jedi. I mean, obviously thirty plus years. So there's I right I think there is I think the again the visceral reaction that still exists for Last Jedi Luke is also still a hunger, and then obviously the the adulation for Mandalorian Luke. There is obviously still a hunger for people. They want the high adventures of Luke Skywalker, right? Like they still want those stories. They still want their knight in shining armor um, because Luke's armor is off in Last Jedi, right? (laughs) Uh, He's in stinking robes. Um, Yeah. (laughs) But, you know, it's also interesting to note that for Luke, right, his only direct experience of Jedi are Obi-Wan and Yoda, both of whom were hermits living on Mm. their own in light of their failure. Luke learned that. He became what he... Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I learned it from watching you, Dad. Yeah, exactly. Watching you. (laughs) Right? Like, we... Again, like, and I I really want this story. I really, really do. But, you know, when Yoda shows up in Last Jedi, it's pretty clear he hasn't talked to Luke in a little bit. (laughs) And it's because Luke's closed off to the Force. So, you know, do they confront Luke before he heads off to Octo? Does... I mean, right? I think... I think... Because of how much Luke means to people, I think uh, I'm hesitant to use this word, but we kind of deserve a little bit more. <laughs> like we deserve to understand <laughs> a little bit more of what happened in between. Um, again, that's that's a very privileged statement to make. Um, sure. But maybe deserve isn't the right word, but I think we just all really want more though, right? Like we want to know more about what did his Jedi order look like? What, what was he doing all those years? What was his relationship like with Ben? I mean, the, the, the rise of Kylo Ren comic, which is one of the few new ones I've read. I mean, it's pretty clear that Ben solo is with Luke for a long time, (laughs) you know, a good decade and change. They're close. So for Ben to fall again, that gives further weight to why Luke is so crushed. This, you know, the eyes of a frightened boy whose master failed him, right? Like mm-hmm. the, the hurt that is in that moment. The, the, that scene with Ray in, in the middle of the movie, and again, yes, I'm jumping back to his first half here, but, <laughs> you know, it, it is just so good. It is so good because he plays that emotion so perfectly of he is just so sad about what <laughs> happened. Um, and, right, and he seems to have this disdain for the myth that was created around him. Because it was too heavy of a burden, clearly. Yeah. Understandably. Yeah. <laughs> right. And, you know, back to the point you made, too, like, Luke is wonderful in the OT because he's not complicated, but he's wonderful in the ST because he is complicated. And, you know, I, I do think that Mark Hamill said those things. Those quotes aren't inaccurate, but he has constantly walked those back. And I think it's in part because I think Mark knows that Last Jedi is by far are his best performance right mm-hmm. because he was given meat and he was given complication and you know that that is what they said L- carrie was going to get in last uh or rise of skywalker which i wish we'd gotten to see the real version of her for that reason because i really think you know mark will be remembered for last jedi in a big way um that that we haven't grappled with yet um but I, you know, so many of the complaints of fandom are were summed up in what you just said. When people don't like the ST, you know, we had a discussion a long time ago. You're like, it, these stories feel unnecessary, or it feels like they undo Return of the Jedi, which I think a lot of people naturally feel because we haven't gotten that reign of peace. Yeah. Um, my defense of it at the time um, in our conversations were, well, because we won World War Two. 
doesn't uh, the Vietnam War doesn't mean we didn't win World War II. It just means there's a new conflict, right? Mm. But we think about the peace we won between those two wars. And to your point, we haven't seen that yet. We haven't seen the galaxy under the new Republic aftermath. People didn't like because they wanted big three stories. And it was, it was fine for what it was, but it was just these side characters not doing much. And it filled in some of the information about the fall of the empire, but they kept everything so vague. So I can only imagine we're on the precipice of that, of major storytelling, um, in that era, um, I think Mandalorian slash Bad Batch slash all the spinoffs seem to be building something for that era, um, something big, something thrawny, mm-hmm. um, something, uh, you know, inspired by legends. And I think there's a real chance there to, to get everybody excited again. Uh, and then the last note I made while you were talking and making your excellent comments is you're right to say Luke couldn't handle the myth. And that means he stopped believing in the myth himself. But what is the end of the movie but his return, his embrace of myth? He's like, oh, you want a myth? I'll give you a myth, kid. (laughs) Right? And then, you know, Ryan's decision, which, you know, still feels weird. I've been really enjoying the season of Star Wars Minute, and they just cut through minute 152 at the very end of the last Jedi and through it all. It's such a weird ending and it's so unlike any other star Wars, but the whole point is that Luke returned, right? He got back to where he was supposed to be. And Ray did that. Ray got him there. Like, let's, let's give credit where credit's. And so I I don't need to talk too much about rise of Skywalker, but I will say, I do think there's a million ways in which Rise of Skywalker contradicts Last Jedi and it gets under my skin and it totally bothers me. They should have worked together more. But the one I, I don't agree with is when people say Luke Skywalker undoes who he was in Last Jedi. I see Luke Skywalker in Rise of Skywalker as Luke at the end of Last Jedi. He learned yeah. his lesson. He completed his journey. He was able to then fade away um, with, I just felt, peace and purpose, right? And that's what he had at the end, and that's what he fulfills in, in Rise of Skywalker. He continues that. Um, and, you know, I the the joke at when it came out was how he caught the lightsaber instead of throwing it over his shoulder. And I think a lazy read on that is like, well, he's the opposite and that Ryan is making or JJ hates Ryan and all that. But I think truly it's like, no, I'm, I'm changed, right? How do you show growth in characters, but put them in the same or similar situations and show the difference. And now he's saying like, no, 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 no. You're not running away from this, right? The, the role of a Jedi is to confront fear and darkness and then, and that's what he learned and he passed it on. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's, you know, I, I wanted to just, uh, cause I didn't mention these earlier in the episode, but that comparison, I really like that about being put in the same situation and different responses it just made me think of in the originals when Luke goes to Dagobah and Yoda first shows up, he pulls a gun on him <laughs> and, <laughs> and then they get captured yeah. by Ewoks. And what's his first response? Han, give him your, give him your gun. Chewie, give him your bowcast. Yeah. Right. So again, it, He's in a new situation with new people around him, but totally different response. Um, yeah, you know, I mean, so I agree, I totally agree with that. The episode nine Luke is is end of Last Jedi Luke, same same character, um, and you know he's he's fulfilling you know Yoda's mandate to pass on his failures and also don't lose Ray. <laughs> you know, you lost Ben. Yeah. That's okay. 
but don't lose Ray. So that's why he mm. shows up there is like, no, 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 no. I was wrong to be here. You helped, you know, you helped me see that. So did Leia. And you got to get back there. You got to go face because you are, you are a Jedi and a Jedi's destiny. And, and perhaps at the moment where Ray was going to be lost. Yeah. There weren't a lot of those moments in that trilogy. And you're right that he made sure not to lose Ray the moment she almost quit it all. Sorry. Yeah. 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 No, that's yeah, exactly. Um, so yeah, I feel like there is a consistency to that character that is, is easy to sweep under the rug. I mean, again, it's still, I still bristle a little bit when I watch early Luke and last Jedi, like, cause he, he is just like, he's just, he seems mean spirit. He's a grumpy old man, which, <laughs> which just, again, doesn't make sense when you come out of return of the Jedi. But like we've been talking about, there's this huge gap of peace and the balance that Luke helped maintain for, uh, do, do you remember in the timeline, the official timeline, like how long, at, how long before Force Awakens everything went went to went to you know the the crapper? <laughs> yeah, I mean it's so hard. They, it's it's they keep refining it. Is the nice yeah. way to say that they keep yeah. changing it, right? Yeah. Um, I think if you look at the actual math bloodline. The Republic is still functioning, but there's large tensions in it. I think Bloodline is five years before Force Awakens. Yes. Which should mean a solid 25. Yeah. Well, and and I always forget the Battle of Jakku is much closer to Return of the Jedi than right. I often yeah. think. I think it's within a year so, of Return of the Jedi. Yeah. yeah. And so I think, you know, you're talking 24 years then, if if our, our back of the envelope math is correct there. Yeah. Yeah, that's a so, long time. <laughs> it's a very long time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, so, you know, I, I think at the end of the day, it would be really wonderful to get some more stories about peacetime Luke and, mm-hmm. you know, uh, Luke Skywalker, Jedi Master. I, you know, I'd like to hear more of those stories, um, which don't have to equate to him just wielding a lightsaber and poning noobs. Um, I mean, great. We even get that. We even get that in the rise of Kylo Ren comic, right? We get that flashback of him yeah. facing off against the Knights of Ren and just kicking their butts, you know? <laughs> um, so like we know that that is part of Luke's story. Um, but let's, so the last place I'd like to go um, to kind of close our discussion, which I think is one of the most important things to touch on is why does Luke still matter? Right. Mm. Why is he still important? Um, and I'm going to just jump right in and say, I think it's sequel trilogy. Luke to me tells me he's still so important because he tells all of us who are adults that it's okay to fail. Um, not mm. to celebrate failure, but to understand that that's going to be part of life too. And that doesn't mean we still can't be wonderful. Right? Because like you said, last Jedi doesn't end with Luke on Octo with his hands in his pockets. It ends with him using the most powerful force thing we've ever seen on screen to project himself across the galaxy mm. to save the day, right? That's more powerful than anything we've ever seen on camera. Um, was yeah. he pulling Star Destroyers down from the sky? No, because Luke already said no to domination in power yep. and Empire Strikes Back. Why the hell would he do it now? <laughs> you know, he already said no to that. Um, so I think, to me, the reason... Uh, Adult Luke matters so much is because he is a reminder to all of us that even even if we've done some really wonderful things and then we've done some really not so wonderful things, 
it doesn't mean that we still can't be wonderful. Um, and, And that's why I think he still matters so much. What we are is a combination of our successes and our failures. And to live in a world where you don't acknowledge that is to do yourself and the world a disservice, right? So I think I think absolutely right. So my first bullet point I wrote in my notes for why Luke still matters, he's got more to teach us. And mm. I didn't know what I wanted when I saw Last Jedi, but I learned a lot about myself from Luke. And, you know, just like you were saying earlier, I have some things that I will never tell anybody that I feel ashamed of in my past. Um, you know, cruel things I've done to other people, regrets I hold, people I... I know probably cursed me under their breath that I would love to to apologize to, but I either can't or won't, will Mm -hmm. will choose not to. Um, And so we have to learn to be who we are. And that's what Last Jedi Luke Skywalker did to me. Like, own it. Be yourself. Try to do the right thing. Don't be ashamed of the things that you've done. I mean, well, maybe not be ashamed, but like, don't ignore them. Don't pretend they didn't happen. Don't, don't rewrite history, which is what he does in the first telling, as your point was before, Mm -hmm. right? Um, He's going to say like, no, this is where I failed. And, and, you know, my favorite line in in those scenes is is the one I quoted before. It's like, it was just a moment and I was left with uh, consequence. And we all have those moments and and yet we can recover from them and, and be a better version of ourselves in spite of those moments moments for a part of it um and so i i was thinking about how when i think of the power of myth as i've said because every different story is us something that we need to know and this is such an important tool for story is how story makes us feel how we react to story what we learn from it and what we get inspired by. And I think Luke will remain a powerful tool for that, especially for everybody our age, right? When, you know, the last of the 80s kids die off this earth, maybe he will lose some of his power. But there's no pop culture figure that will hold as much sway over such a large percentage of a generation, I think, than Luke Skywalker did. Um, And that's... That's an awe-inspiring statement in and of itself, right? And mm-hmm. it's a credit to George, and it's a credit to Mark. And I think it means so much that we can still have these stories uh, to continue to live in and to feel them, right? Uh, like you said, to get angry, to to cry, to to you know feel uplifted, to feel hope, to feel shame. All of those things matter. And if a story can make you feel that, it's going to turn you into a better person. Mm. Yeah, yeah. I I, I mean I. I don't think I can add much more (laughs) to that, that poignant point. Um, you know, and for those, for those who, who've, who've chosen to just say that sequel trilogy, Luke just isn't for me for what, you know, for all the myriad reasons that do exist. And and again, I, I think it's an unfair thing to just say like, Oh, if you don't like that Luke, well then, you know, the hell with you. Well, no, but I think still like, what do you, what do you still then, you know, the invitation I think would be, well, what is it about OT Luke that still matters so much to you? And I, and I think he, I mean, he still matters a lot to me. I mean, the I am a Jedi like my father before me. I, I, that moment is so big to us because it's a moment of self-actualization and self-understanding. And I think those are points we have to keep coming back to in life, right? We're going to ha- – because as life continues to throw new challenges at us, how do you say I am a Jedi? The, the end, the battle of crate, when Luke shows up, that's him saying, I am a Jedi, <laughs> you know, 
it was him taking on these new circumstances and knowing how to say that again. So like that truth of what happens for him at the culmination of return of the Jedi is still true for him in, in last Jedi. He has to find a new way to get there Um, because the things he's faced in the 30 years since, I mean, we were with him for all of five years in the original trilogy, six times (laughs) that amount of time has happened since in between those two gaps, right? That's a lot of life. Um, and, and, and rebuilding something essentially from scratch is exhausting. I mean, my new job is essentially building something out of <laughs> building this youth program out of nothing in light of a pandemic, right? Coming out of the coming out of the crazy year of a pandemic is how do you take something and make it new? It's that's a lot of work. Um, and there's an there's there's a lot of in, there's an intimidating factor to that, and and that's exactly what Luke was facing. Um, and he he came up a little short in some aspects, and. <laughs> And I think because he, you know, in that moment where he seems to have such a disdain for the myth of Luke Skywalker is I think is because that myth ended up hurting him, you know, because he wasn't who everybody told him he he had to be. Um, And and that's that sucks, (laughs) you know, (laughs) but it's part of life. I don't mean that sucks like that's a sucky decision. I mean, no, 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 no. It sucks. (laughs) I mean, but what is life except to. Take the lumps and continue on, right? Yeah. To get back in the fight, whatever the fight is. Um, and like you're saying, uh, the chance to rebuild is one of struggle and one of renewed hope, right? Building something up is an incredible opportunity. It also is really, really hard, <laughs> right? As yeah. as we struggle through, I think everybody in, in this kind of moment is in that, that kind of post-pandemic what even is my job? What even is my goal? What even is my life? And and so we're we're looking to these stories as we always have to help us remember who we are and who the the best in us is and how we can build something more of ourselves through them. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And, and it also Luke Skywalker still matters. Mark, Mark's still here. Yeah, and I know he's a really good at animated voices. Let's get some animated stories going <laughs> yeah. with him. Yeah, the deep fake technology was super cool. Also, it's way more expensive than a cartoon. Yes, um, and I'm sure he would love to do that. Um, you know, the adoration he got meant a lot to him. And you know, I think it was really hard to be Mark Hamill between 1983 and. 2000 maybe even like 2010 um and so to see him kind of reinvigorated and uh, and you know in touch with the fandom and on twitter and all that i think it it means so much to him um and it undoes a lot of that suffering the fact that you know again i don't want to be cruel about mark but his career was star wars was this amazing opportunity to break open an acting career and then it kind of ended his career too because nobody could see him as anything else for a really long time and and that's changed a little right he's been in more things lately and 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 all that so so um i just don't i i always want to make sure we we appreciate mark while we have him because i i don't think we appreciated carrie enough while we had her and Mm. we've we've done a great job giving tributes to her after the fact, but I, I don't know that she always felt the love. So Mark deserves all the love. And I loved those shots of him holding the puppet in his <laughs> own backyard. Yeah. Dressed in the costume. Come on. How yeah. do you not just love every <laughs> instant of that? Um, it was awe inspiring. And, and, you know, you could see it meant as much to him as it felt like it meant to me on my couch, probably more. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. Well, in a weird way, you know, Grogu came to represent this whole new era of Star Wars. It drew people back in from from the general public in a way that nothing in the Disney era has. I mean, debatably Force Awakens, but, you know, Grogu is specifically with the Mandalorian, his his proliferated Star Wars into pop culture in a way it hasn't been really in a long time. So to see yeah. Mark, the the OG uh, who who kind of held that mantle for so long, holding the new mantle with such tenderness, yeah, that's a very mm-hmm. beautiful image. Um, you know, he, he it is, it's tenderness, it's reverence, right? Yeah. It's it's a it's a person to him. It's not just a puppet, right? So yeah, yeah. Um, right. So I think, yeah, it's it, it, there's just still so much there to to offer us um and again you know in in the back of my head as we start to wind down here i mean it's it, what always bounces around my head is well well luke wouldn't do that right i think is the biggest the biggest complaint about where luke is in episode eight um and to you know just to gloss quickly over the fact though ryan johnson had to make sense of a decision made by jj which is luke's out of the picture right from day one why is he out of the picture? Ryan chose to take a deeply character, emotional beat to tell why, right? And I think for a lot of us, we just had our own version. I mean, I'll own it. My headcanon was after Force Awakens came out was, oh, well, Luke's out there seeking the right answers. Mm. Uh, he's not. He's there because he because, again, instinctual Luke that we've seen in the original trilogy, his instinct was, I need to walk away. Um, but yeah. I think his instincts were compromised by the shame and regret he felt. Um, right? We yeah. never make what <laughs> my favorite saint in the, in the Christian tradition is Saint Ignatius, and Saint Ignatius always said, "Never make big decisions in periods of desolation," and that's exactly mm. what Luke seems to have done. <laughs> right? Yeah. So he made yeah. he made a very big choice out of a very broken space. Yeah, I, I don't have anything to add to that. I think I think that's true, and I think. And, you know, I think some people had written a fantasy. Oh, he's he's locked in a cage with Yasalamari all around him, so they can't <laughs> find him in the force. And, you know, Ray will come knock those away, and then Luke will pull down Grand Admiral Thrawn's Super Star Destroyer and destroy Coruscant or whatever. And like, I don't want that story, yeah. right? Um, I, Marvel's doing enough of that stuff, right? right like, right. I, I think, it, you know, I go to Star Wars personally for something very different, and I don't need superheroes in Star Wars. I want humans, and I want humans telling me how to be a better human, and that's that's what I got. And, um, you know, I, I said this recently on Twitter, <clears throat> again, not trying to be full of myself, but for people who hate the Haldo maneuver... They just hate it. And I, I honestly approach that with pity because there's so much wonder to me mm. in the Haldo maneuver and so much beauty. I I really do. I'm like, I, I understand you don't like it, but I feel bad that you can't feel what I feel when I look at the Haldo maneuver. And that's exactly what, what I feel about Luke Skywalker. And, you know, I, I understand and everybody has their own right to say, not my Luke Skywalker, not my thing, doesn't work for me. But if you don't feel this kind of wonder and this this beauty of this this story we've been gifted, I just I wish I could give you my feelings about it so that you could see what it's like because um I think Luke Skywalker is the defining fictional character of my life. Don't look at my Obi-Wan shelves. <laughs> um and so to not recognize the power of the end of his journey 
just as much as the beginning um, would be hard for me. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I you know, I think at the end of the day, um, we're going to be once once we're start once we start getting just a little bit more of his stories, um, I think it's going to help make a lot more sense of where his story ended. Because, um, you know, Return of the Jedi ends with him just breaking into the world as an adult, just barely breaking into that world. And then we fast forward a lifetime and get him at the end of his life <laughs> without really getting much of what happened in between. Um, I mean, we get the general, you know, we get that that quick summary. I started I eventually started a new temple and then it fell apart. Right. So which, again, that's a huge thing to not make light of his. He felt called to eventually start a new Jedi order. And then when it fell apart, of course, he felt responsible. Um, So, you know, again, like I yeah, I just those the 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 super crazy, you know, uh, legends infused stories of what folks wanted to see Luke. And again, I know to some degree I wanted something not necessarily <laughs> yes, alarm me, mm-hmm. but um, right. Like I wanted to see that more in your face, powerful Luke that walked into Jabba's palace. But if that was the Luke Skywalker, we were going to meet in the sequel trilogy. There's no reason for new heroes. None at all. Yeah. You know, and yeah. even again, we don't know any details of what George's treatments were, but the little bit we do know is he also had Luke in exile, right? That was very yeah. clear. That sequel trilogy for George was going to put Luke out of the picture. I don't think the galaxy was in as rough a shape for, from what we can gather, but Luke was out of right. the, Luke was out of the picture. Um, I think he was crazy in those, right? They, they compared him to the guy in treasure Island who's kind of lost his mind. Yeah. So. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, so would have been what? What would have Trevor have done with nine? There's so many what yeah. ifs in Star Wars, right? Um, right. <laughs> um, well, there you go. I think that I mean, that's a that's a pretty hefty discussion about about Luke Skywalker and and his <laughs> continued importance. And and you know, I mean, at the end of the day, he's he's lived a full life cycle where it he was always trying his best to be his best. Um, and that's going to look different as life progresses. Um, yeah. so yeah. Um, anything else you wanted to get in there before, you know, we sign this out? I don't want to. No, I feel satisfied. I think, I think we did justice to, you know, the big guy. So I'm glad this was a lot of fun and, and really, it's always fun to dive deep into star Wars. And, and this was a really fulfilling, nourishing discussion. Yeah. <laughs> Agreed. Agreed. I, I'm really <laughs> glad we got to have it. Um, so, well, before we go, uh, I just want to re- uh, remind everybody for next week's episode, we'll do our next uh, our next matchup is kind of a fun one. We want you to tell us uh, who who your favorite OT duo is. Is it R2-D2 and C-3PO or Han Solo and Chewbacca? So you vote on that in, in our social media feeds next week. Um, to, to get in on that fun. And a, and a reminder, we're going to have Riley Blanton with us next week talking about his long tenure as one of the longest sitting star Wars podcasters. And as he gears up for retirement from that world, um, unbelievable, unbelievable indeed. <laughs> so super excited for that conversation next week about, uh, star Wars podcasting world and, and the changes we've seen in the past decade. Um, but, uh, before we go, Greg, if folks want to stay in touch with the wonderful insights you have on Star Wars, where can they do that? 
Uh, don't. I'll be on an island by myself. Uh, no. Uh, <laughs> uh, I am on Twitter and Instagram at IonCanon. That's E-Y-E-O-N-C-A-N-O-N. Um, not up to too much at the moment. Um, my, I was doing a Bad Batch recap show that's now ended. But if people are rewatching Bad Batch and want some company, you could seek that out. The links are on my social media. Uh, and then I'm getting ready to do my real job again, so I'll probably be less active in fandom <laughs> for a little while. So, uh, But I always enjoy a good uh, shout-out on Twitter, especially if you want to talk to me. That's the easiest place to get me. Um, or Instagram. I like to share pictures of my collection. So, yeah. find me. Cool. Well, thanks for making the time for this, especially right before you head back to work. <laughs> uh, I appreciate it. And, and, no problem. Um, yeah, I love I love where this conversation was able to go. And, you know, as always, we welcome any of your thoughts and insights on, you know, at the end of the day, why Luke matters to you. And I don't care what version of that is per se, um, but it's would lo- always love to hear why people love Luke so much because uh, he's a pretty incredible character. So. Um, if you want to find us, we're on social media at, at Wampas Lair on Twitter, the underscore Wampas Lair on Instagram, or email us at Wampas Lair Podcast at gmail.com. Um, so thank you so much for tuning into this episode of the Wampas Lair. This has been episode 435, Legendary Luke Skywalker. For Greg, I'm Carl, and we will see you next time here in the Wampas Lair. Wampas Lair.